All right. What's up, everybody? What's up, Dean? How are you? I'm good. A little chilly here in uh, Park City, Utah. And uh, got my first little run down the slopes yesterday. Nice. Just testing out. Not a lot of snow yet, but it's good. Is that, will they, um, at some point, will they manufacture some snow? If No, that's all they've had. That's all that, it is. That's okay. all that's been going on right now. But we, we're supposed to get like 10 to 20 inches here over the wow. weekend. So, Is it cold? Yeah, yeah. It's in the 30s. Oh, it is. Okay. Days. Nice. <laughs> it's great. That's amazing. Um, well, hey, so today uh, we're going to talk about product market fit. I know the last episode... Um, we kind of talked about the difference between, do I try to kind of understand the audience that I'm trying to reach first? Do I build a product first? Um, and kind of let us talk in a bit about just kind of this idea of product market fit. So, um, I just want to kind of run through just some different kind of thoughts and perspectives on this. I want to get your, your thoughts, obviously. Yep. And then we're going to look at a few companies as well. Um, and just see yep. if we can kind of, even in its most basic form, um, explain and kind of connect those, connect those dots for, for folks that are listening. And this is. This is prob probably top three things that you've got to work out if you're going to start and then have a successful business is, does the market want or need my product? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like yep. <laughs> first, first base, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, oh, I got this great idea, but you know, if people don't want it and you're not, you know, fulfilling right. any need that's not being fulfilled right now in the marketplace, right. you're dead in the Well, yeah, because the first step is always like, oh, this is a product I need. And then we kind of right. make the mistake of thinking, a lot of other people really want or need this too. Um, right. And maybe don't realize we're not uh, yeah. part of the majority, majority right. in that. And I've had a million ideas of things that I want, but <laughs> no one else <laughs> yes. wants. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. I wanted toothpaste in the, I wanted to do toothpaste in the shape of a bar of soap. Oh. And I wanted to scrape my toothbrush <laughs> in the, the bar of toothpaste soap. And cause I hated squeezing yeah. it out. Was, but, you know, I was like, 20 people if that was a good idea and they were yeah. <laughs> so you never you never even tried it you didn't build a, a bar of toothpaste soap <laughs> yeah. uh that's hilarious man that is i i i think i could use that i think i could get behind that i mean you think about it like like the tube and the whole thing imagine just getting like the dove soap out of the yep. box and you just scrape your toothbrush mm -hmm. on it and you start brushing mm -hmm. I thought it was that's genius. great. And I like to brush my teeth in the shower. So you could literally just have yeah, it, you yeah, could I, leave it in the shower and that would be. Yeah. I have multiple same, brushes all same, same, same. <laughs> um, so we're pulling from um, actually a, a newsletter that I really love. It's a Lenny's newsletter, lennynewsletters.com, lennysnewsletter.com. It's Lenny Rashitsky, um, which is, uh, he's, man, he's done a lot of stuff. So that's really great. And then an article from uh, A16's Future. Uh, to kind of help us outline this, but um, both were really helpful just for me as I was like, just kind of re-educating myself, reading through all this. But obviously, the Mark Andreessen has this famous quote, which is basically, the only thing that matters is getting to product market fit. Um, and then in a kind of a study on analysis of 101 failed startups, uh, of the top 20 reasons most startups fail, 42% of them was because there was no market need. So almost half um, of yep. these startups that failed. So, um, obviously it's a big, it's a big piece of whether or not something yeah. is going to succeed. Right. Yeah. And look, the, the mind of an entrepreneur, I was thinking about this when we were going to do this today, you know, what are the dominoes that fall in an entrepreneur's mind? Right. So uh, entrepreneurs like basically are futurists mm -hmm. and we're thinking in the future all the time. And then. And then in the here and now, we're trying to see a 
some kind of problem, mm-hmm. solve some kind of mm-hmm. problem, and then future play that mm-hmm. out. And then, you know, this original product or service that I think is going to be needed in the marketplace, what problems is it going to solve going forward and forward and forward? So, you know, the, the early moments of ideas are in the moment where you're like, I've got this problem and I, I think I could develop a product service. In my case, you know, kind of the major success that I've had was obviously, you know, mobile giving, mm-hmm. right? And, and that was, that was, um, I knew the problem because I understood the business mm-hmm. of, you know, mm-hmm. that I was in mm-hmm. business of church. Mm-hmm. And I knew the obstacles around, you know, a couple easy things that are like so easy today, but back in right. you know, 2012, reoccurring giving mm-hmm. and give anywhere, anytime. Mm-hmm. Right. Those are, the, those are the two problems I wanted to solve. And, um, and, and so I knew I needed mm-hmm. it, but, you know, the next thing was, wow, this, could other churches use this? And there was PayPal buttons on church websites mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. but mobile first was not really a right. thing yet. So obviously, you know, the advantage you have in product market fit is, do you know the industry mm-hmm. that you're trying to solve a problem? Mm-hmm. I think that gives you a massive head start. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to solve a problem in an industry that you're not an expert mm-hmm. in. And, and I tell, you know, entrepreneurs this all the time, become an expert in something. Mm-hmm. So you know, everything there is to know mm-hmm. within that market, mm-hmm. within that vertical, within that business. And that's how you'll know where the problems are because you're an expert in the business. And then you can go and start solving problems, right? right? With Right. So I think it's much easier to know the product when you're an expert in the market that you're trying right. to sell in. Well, and it's, it's almost nowadays you don't have to spend 30 years in an industry to be an expert. You can go exactly. online and YouTube and Facebook groups and Quora oh and Twitter. I mean, we were, I have a, a friend of mine who's gotten into the, he's an entrepreneur and he's gotten into like the RV space. So he bought one of those Springer yeah. vans and he's been posting these videos on YouTube. And um, yeah. he literally just started joining these groups of RV owners and realized that they needed cutting boards for their RVs that were smaller than a normal cutting board. And he, again, he, literally he'd been in this community for three months and right. just through reading these message boards and groups and Twitter and all the stuff. So him and a buddy designed these cutting boards and they're selling wow. like 500 of them a week. Um, <laughs> and, and it's just like, he never would have known, but he was just like, I'm going to, I'm going to find a product that these people need. And, yep. and, and he didn't awesome. know any other RV owners except for online. You know, he just spent the time. Look, what you said then around education, this is the greatest time in history Mm -hmm. to learn everything about Mm -hmm. anything because everything's available for Mm -hmm. free. I'm not a big proponent of four-year college. Yep. Um, I tried it. I tried it a few times and it just didn't didn't work for me. (laughs) Two years of Bible college and that was it. Um, But, you know, we need doctors and lawyers to go to college. Mm -hmm. Yes. We need engineers to go to college. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but if, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you want to start a business, go and go and learn Excel, mm-hmm. become an expert in, in spreadsheets, mm-hmm. go and take Harvard business school courses, lectures for, for free. free. Yep. Um, right. Go, go and go and do an MBA for free, mm-hmm. um, on your own mm-hmm. time, hustle it, you know, work three jobs. I mean, you can literally one, find one. the two year reading list for Harvard yep. MBA students yep. and yep. you can read the books. You can probably you can watch the lectures on YouTube, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, 
yeah, it's there's no excuse now if you're an entrepreneur and you want to get knowledge about something. But it's 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 great when it, your passion and your knowledge in a certain thing line mm-hmm. up. Like I don't really go for you know follow your passion mm-hmm. and you'll be successful. I don't think mm-hmm. that always mm-hmm. works. Um, I think it's it's helpful to really love what you're doing, right? Because it just makes it easier to get mm-hmm. up every day and go to work mm-hmm. when it's tough. Yep. You know, it's easy to get up and go to work when everything's going mm-hmm. great, but nothing goes great yep. all the time. And so having a sense of heart and passion for what you're right. doing, um, I think is, is a, you know, not essential, but certainly mm-hmm. helpful. Yeah. Well, and I think that's one of the, the things is like, you got to be curious and you got to be thinking, yep. you know, I mean, anyone that I know that's really business minded, they're thinking about, they're thinking about it all the time. There, yep. you know, my father-in-law is a business guy and he'll, he'll be sitting in a restaurant and he owned a restaurant. He owned a chain of restaurants for 10 years and he can order a meal and you can tell he's thinking. And within 10 minutes, he's telling yep. you what this restaurant's making a night, what its expenses right. are. And it's just because he's like, you know, yeah, curious. Love and, that. um, I think that's the thing, right? Is like, what can we learn? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, okay. So to find product market fit, obviously we need to, we need to know if there's a market need or at least kind of be able to think that there might be a market need. And then we need to come up with an idea to test that, that market need. Right. Um, but let's maybe try and define what exactly is product market fit. Now, a lot of this stuff that I've brought in, in terms of, you know, these are mostly VCs that operate kind of really at the highest level and they're financing and funding massive companies. So what I want to do is just maybe read to you some of the things that they say product market fit is, Um, and see like, does that make sense for just the startup founder that's trying to become a billion dollar company, um, or just the solo entrepreneur trying to, you know, sell products online and build a business. Right. So, um, Mark Andreessen says, obviously product market fit means being in a good market with the product that can satisfy the market. Um, another quote is the term product market fit describes the moment when a startup finally finds a widespread set of customers that resonate with its product. So... And that's a little bit more to do with like D to C, right? Direct to consumer, which has exploded in the last kind of five years, really. Things like um, mattresses, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So like for a hundred years, you went to the mattress store. Right. And you went and bought your Sealy or you, you laid down. Yeah. The booty. yeah, right. Did all that. and But then how many mattress companies have started mm-hmm. up in the last yep. five? A couple of them went mm-hmm. public. And like, so the, the, the bet was, could I have a factory build better mattresses maybe, mm-hmm. and could I sell them direct to consumer right. online? Right. And, and so when you're, someone comes to you and says, Hey, I want $10 million because I want to start a mattress yep. factory and I want to sell them direct to consumer and cut out the middleman, like what's been going on yeah, for right. years. There's probably, if you go to 20 VCs, you know, with that idea five or 10 years ago, 19 of them are going to go, you're an idiot. Right. There's no way we're mm-hmm. doing that. And then one of them is going to go, sure, here's your 10 million. Yep. We think that's a great idea. Yeah. So very capital intensive. Yeah. You're going to go build your factory, build your mattresses, mm-hmm. and then get a brand and then start selling them and marketing yep. them in a way. You well, go. it's interesting you bring um, up the the mattress thing. I've noticed there's this company, Eight Sleep. Um, that yep. you, you heard of them, um, right? So it was like they, yeah. they launched and they basically went like, do you want to be peak performance optimization? Yep. You're going to be smarter. You're going to sleep better. You're going to be yep. able to produce more, yep. which is their sort of yep. marketing thing. And then I think yep. Tempur-Pedic, I think came out with like a competing product and they've got all the athletes yep. promoting that. Yep. So yep. instead of now, just like a mattress that is comfortable yep. that you can sleep on, it's now like 
This is the oh, mattress for the better athlete. You you know you want to. Yeah, no. This, this is the mattress for the entrepreneur. Yeah, right. He measures my sleep and and my sore points and yeah the whole whole nine yep. yards. But you know so we and when you think about product market fit, really what you're trying to find is what's and we use this word a lot, right, Tam? Mm -hmm. What's the total addressable market? Mm -hmm. What's the possibility mm -hmm. within selling mattresses online mm -hmm. to direct to consumer? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, well, there's, you know, 330 million people in America and they all need a bed. And, you know, there's probably some data around people sh should change their mattress like every six mm -hmm. years. Mm -hmm. Like you go get all of that and then you think, wow, average cost of a mattress is like 300 bucks. And, you know, then you're like, well, $300 times 330 million. Mm -hmm. And every five years, they're swapping them mm -hmm. out. And all of a sudden, you come up with, you know, I'm just picking a number. This is a $200 billion industry, right. the mattress right. industry. I'm getting that wrong, yeah. but, yeah. Right? I'm, but that's the process, mm -hmm. right? I've got an idea for a product. i got to get product market fit, but let me go and work out what my market is. Right. Because there's a, there's a finite market mm -hmm. for everything. Mm -hmm. Now, it grows. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Certain things grow. Other things don't. Um, but there's a, a, a market that you got to go and live in that market mm -hmm. that you, you, you know, I think of a market as um, uh, like a country mm -hmm. or a city mm -hmm. and those, you know, the cities are right. markets, right? right. Um, and so, but think of a market, right? You know, so I, I sell church software. Mm -hmm. There's 350,000 churches in the U S mm -hmm. there's about that many, you know, around mm -hmm. the world. I have a total addressable market of about 700, thousand customers right right 120 billion is given to churches every year in the mm -hmm. u.s probably double that mm -hmm. for around the mm -hmm. world so the the most i could ever want to process through my app to to is like 200 plus billion right but then i've got to slice off certain segments that are not gettable in my market and then i got to look at competitors and what else is being used right. and how do i get people to switch and how do i get new customers and so you come up with the market that you can sell to by working out um, what's the GDP, what's the gross domestic product, mm -hmm. and and keeping with our example, what's the GDP of people buying mattresses in America? Mm -hmm. And so when you work out that, then you start to then the economics of the whole thing start to right. flow through your brain, mm -hmm. right? So all of those things are happening as you're thinking about product market fit. Mm -hmm. It's the product, but it's product market right. and does it fit? So you got to think about the market as much as right. you have to think. About and, and you're not just looking for, I mean, obviously you're looking for how big the market is, but maybe for some products you don't need as big of a market as you do for others. Right. So just because it may be a more niche market doesn't mean um, it's not worth moving forward in, but that is kind of what I guess really informs what the business needs to look like. How do I need to start this? Well, how much money do I need to, you know, to get invested yeah. to, to, I mean, let's, let's switch it up, right? Let's say I want to open a restaurant in my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Okay. So product market, right? So uh, what's my market? Well, there's 10,000 people within a five mile radius, mm -hmm. right? So there's my, there's my market. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, 30% of those are kids. So those are not my market. Um, I got, you know, 7,000 potential customers. Mm -hmm. Okay. What's the product? Right. I'm going to do pizza for, you know, 15 bucks. A pie, okay. What's the competition selling it for? Blah 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 mm -hmm. blah. Like it works in the same in every right. scenario. Whether you're going to sell mattresses to 300 million mm -hmm. people, or you're going to sell pizza to 7,000 people in a five mile radius mm -hmm. of your store, mm -hmm. 
it's the same thing that you have right. to identify the market right. and then work out what pro- maybe $15 pizza is, you know, too expensive in my mind. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I could sell $22 pizza because I have a different demographic right. in my mind. Right. Um, but the same thing's going to work. And then what typically happens in the restaurant analogy is, oh, I ran this store successfully. I'm, you know, I was netting a couple hundred grand a year from this. Mm-hmm. One. I'm going to go 10 miles down the street and do it yep. again. Um, and, you know, and because you perfected, that's, you know, product market fit is different in different industries. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to open a restaurant and perfect my pizza thing, I'm going to, you know, invest a couple of hundred grand in my pizza restaurant. That's my gamble. Mm-hmm. That's my mm-hmm. bet. That's my investment. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to test my product and see if it's good. If I've got aspirations to have 50 pizza stores, mm-hmm. I'm going to do it one really, really well, right. and I'm just going to replicate mm-hmm. it. In software, it's a bit different mm-hmm. because you have to build something with your own money, investment capital, mm-hmm. sweat equity, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to go and kind of release it into a market. Maybe you get, you know, 1.0 mm-hmm. with not too many bells and whistles, which is what mm-hmm. we did. Here's the basic version. And how many um, how many churches would you say you had, like, let's, version one of the Tidely yep. Yep. product pre-seed, pre-seed money, money yep. probably 50. 50 okay and that was you going yep. out and reaching out to those people yep. and saying this is this thing yep. i'm starting um yep. talking about you just try it yep. um and give yep. me feedback yeah I, you know we had a website mm-hmm. and you know but we weren't spending any money on marketing or anything so it was just yeah me getting friends to use mm-hmm. it and sometimes you know with, with d2c that's kind of super easy mm-hmm. you know there's this great company uh, called All, All Birds. Mm-hmm. They're a sneaker company mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. And, you know, a product like that, you, you, you know, you go get a, get a shoemaker and you design a shoe and you say, here's the materials I want to do it. And you can get a prototype of, of kind of consumer goods pretty easy mm-hmm. now, you know, mm-hmm. and then you just go get a hundred of them and you give them to all your friends and you say, give me feedback, right. you know? So th- there's lots of different ways that you're going to discover if the market wants your product, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and if it's software or, or goods or services or food or whatever, you know, you just got to go and get small numbers first and get good feedback. And often you get all this great feedback. Oh man, that shoe didn't feel right. I've got super wide feet and you need to probably do this for that. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a really critical moment mm-hmm. in developing the product, mm-hmm. getting customer feedback, mm-hmm. real customer feedback yep. from people who t- tell you the truth. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big thing that they talk that, you know, we kind of pull out of these these couple of articles, right, is that one of the things you're looking for for product market fit pre-product is, yeah, like, is there visible excitement? Is there strong customer feedback, even from a yep. very small group of people? So even if it's okay. it's um, five, ten people, right? Yeah. Because um, yeah. then you can define yeah. what exactly is it about it that not only do they love, but that solves the right. problem that they yep. that they have. Um, yeah, totally. And. It doesn't always have to solve a problem. It can just be something, something that people rank. And it's an impulse buy. And I'm going to spend 70 bucks on a pair of sneakers that look cool and are different. And, I, you know, right. like it, it, it's, there's a ton of different things that go into why people buy mm-hmm. stuff. Um, but, yeah, having something that people can try, give you feedback is, is absolutely critical. And the investment goes from baking pizza in my own oven at home and then taking that to parties and giving it to people mm-hmm. and, and them loving mm-hmm. it, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to open up, you can, you can scale understanding the, how your product is going to fit in the market. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, venture capitalists exist to make really big investments, mm-hmm. you know, seed rounds now, not unusual to be in, you know, 
maybe even up to 10 million if it's a kind of a, a tried and true entrepreneur that's had a few successes mm-hmm. and has this new thing and, oh yeah, here's 10 million, mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. at it, right? Because they've done two, you know, billion dollar companies before. Um, but it's the same process every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is my market? Mm-hmm. How does that product serve that market? Mm-hmm. And then you go and test it on any scale. Yeah. And it almost seems like that's the thing that would separate a business from needing or having the ability to go get a venture investment and they yep. have to just do it a completely different way because a venture investor is going to want to know, yeah, what is the total addressable market? What does product mm-hmm. market fit knocking it out of the park look like? And if that's right. not big enough to, what would you say, 100, 100x, 50x? I mean, what are, what are, is the traditional yeah. VC now looking at? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's not attainable for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Let's bring it back into what most entrepreneurs mm-hmm. have to think through on that. I have always bootstrapped, mm-hmm. right? And what bootstrapping means is I spend my own sweat equity and money to develop something. And then when I sell it, I get a profit and I put that money back in. Mm-hmm. Usually don't take a wage for a long time. Yep. You're not, you know, you're not pulling money mm-hmm. out. You're using the profit to grow the mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. That's called bootstrapping. Right. Now, at some point, you know, you get to a hundred grand in revenue and you're working two other jobs to keep this thing going on the side. At some point, it's got to pay you something. Um, and, and so you can take it to the next level. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you, you just bootstrap this thing for as long as you can. And to, and what most investors would want to see is they want to see something in market. If you're a brand new entrepreneur, they want, they want to see revenue, mm-hmm. right? It's very hard to invest in pre-revenue. Mm-hmm. So you've got to have something and it's going to start with probably some kind of side hustle idea mm-hmm. that you're going to do on the side. Mm-hmm. You're going to work, work your 40 plus hours a week to feed your kids and, and, you mm-hmm. know, run your world. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to, you know, bootstrap some idea and get to product market fit, get to some revenue and prove the thing before someone could come along and say, you know, here's a hundred K I want 10% of your business. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what's mm-hmm. going to happen yeah. next. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's the usual step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then in terms of some of that, well, okay. So once we get some customers, once we get um, some people that are using our product, so so pre-product, there's some ways to test a few, you know, we're testing this on some people. Um, we're working out some of the kinks and then we kind of launch the product. Um, then it kind of transitions into like product market fit post product launch. Right. So, you know, right. one of the big things right. that is said there is like, obviously the clear signal that, that you've reached it is like exponential organic growth. Right. But also right. the idea of um, are the users like sticking around? What does the retention look like? Um, yep. And is that something? So, so here, this guy, um, these guys who started the the email app, Superhuman, um, basically yep. they just, right. they, they yeah, great. And I've used the product and it's like, yep. all you have to do is go on Twitter and know that they're, the people that use their product are the 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 most vocal brand ambassadors, right? Of, of any, they've done a good job with that. But basically they say, um, you know, survey your users and ask them, how would you feel if you could no longer use the product and measure the percent yep. who answer very disappointed? If that percentage is over 40%, you have product market fit. Yep. So they have, I mean, in their business, they have a very specific uh, statistic yep. that they use um, or look at. And that's probably different for every single business and every single product. But the idea is that it is, yeah. it's not just people that say, oh, I kind of like this, but it's like, oh, I would be bummed if I didn't have this tool or I couldn't rebuy this pair of sneakers when this first pair of sneakers gets, you know, yep. old and, and beaten up. Right. Yeah, the thing about a market is it's both awesome and brutal at the same time. And so when you think about a market of, you know, people that are 
instead of using free Gmail, would pay 20 bucks a month, I think, you know, for superhuman yep. email. Mm-hmm. Um, when you think about, you know, like the, mar- the market is going to determine the success or failure of your product. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the role of the entrepreneur, the founder, is to get the product in market, get massive amounts of feedback from customers mm-hmm. as quick as you can, mm-hmm. and fix things that they don't like, improve things that they do like, mm-hmm. and just let the market do what the market does. Yep. That's the beauty of free market capital. Right. It, it, there's, when you take restraint, like, you know, government regulation, and when, when you when you let entrepreneurs do, mm-hmm. I was thinking about, you know, just the internet mm-hmm. <laughs> and what the internet has done in, in uh, I, I arrived in 1996 mm-hmm. to the US mm-hmm. from Australia. Um, Web 1.0 was just getting started, mm-hmm. like email, AOL, you know, all, all just the early plumbing, Cisco, all that early plumbing of the internet. Um, and man, what that has done for the world. Right. In, in 25 years, so think back to the industrial revolution mm-hmm. in the early 19th century, mm-hmm. late 18th, and then what that, then the assembly line, right? What that did, mm-hmm. right? For cars and, and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. And so the industrial revolution goes for like a hundred years, transform the world. Prior to that, the world had barely not changed in thousands right. of years. Right. It was essentially yep. marauding, mm-hmm. you know, kind of barbarians mm-hmm. <laughs> taking yep. land and kingdoms yep. and, and like there was iteration, mm-hmm. you know, we discovered a few mm-hmm. things, but the world had not done much for like 5,000 yep. years. Um, in, in the 1800s, things like, you know, electricity and current mm-hmm. and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then the industrial, and then, and so that transformed the world in a hundred years, but a massive amounts of mm-hmm. wealth. Um, and then in 25 years, mm-hmm. the exponential mm-hmm. of what has happened just because of the right. internet. And there was contributors to the early internet, but it, it came out of the mm-hmm. US mostly. Mm-hmm. And the, the power of that free market of ideas to discover and investment, mm-hmm. um, is just phenomenal. So, you know, you're an entrepreneur trying to get your product. You, you, you have to read the market. You have to kind of have a sense and a, a feel of what the market's saying about mm-hmm. what you're trying to mm-hmm. sell inside that market. And man, it's just a beautiful mm-hmm. thing because if you release things that the market doesn't like, you will be pushed. Yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's most companies go out of mm-hmm. business. They don't see mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. the vast right. right. Uh, beyond just being little mom and pop kind of, you know, one man show. Businesses. Right. If, if you want to grow a business to do 10 million in revenue and, you know, have, you know, 50 employees or you want to do a hundred million, like that, that is rare. Mm-hmm. Every entrepreneur should think that they can right. do it and, and work every day and work hard to do it. But, um, history tells us that that's not what happens. More failure than success, but. That's the power of the market. So, and, and like you said, what you said about it, the market is is so brutal because it is it's 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 immediate feedback, right? How often would you say? Because I I think about that and I think, okay, so you come to market with a product or an idea which you can more easily iterate, right? Um, but yep. then there's pricing, right? So, yep. like maybe sure. for Tidely, for example, you when you guys launched to where you are now, how many times have you either rethought pricing, pricing structure? Has there been times where you maybe rolled out a new pricing structure and everyone just was like not having it? And then when it comes to that, like how many times can the market 
feedback be not good and you still be able to come back for another an, yeah, another, another go. go yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's, so there's two thoughts there um pricing is different is different for every, every kind of market service whatever software is interesting um SaaS software as a service which is really t- 10 years old um famous kind of examples would be something like salesforce mm-hmm. right basic crm that would be b2b software that you're yep, selling B2B into software. businesses selling a seat at 10 bucks a yep. month right and and as as opposed to on on premises installation of an oracle or an sap right. right they they kind of what when you think of SaaS, you you got to go and read the story of, of SaaS. right right that, mm-hmm. that will teach you and i was in san francisco um a bit ago and right down town there are these two buildings mm-hmm. 50 some yep. buildings and they've got salesforce mm-hmm. on the top of mm-hmm. them right in 20 years salesforce is a multi 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 billion dollar company mm-hmm. they just slack. slack for what was yep. it? a couple of mm-hmm. billion or something mm-hmm. so um if you don't understand SaaS, go and read up on SaaS. that's so there's there's lots of mechanisms and laws around pricing and SaaS. Mm-hmm. we went a different direction we went free mm-hmm. Because we were more in the payments business right. than we were in the software right. business at right. first. We do a lot of software right. now, but you know, we I I had competitors charging for a giving platform, mm-hmm. you know, fifty a month, hundred a month, two hundred a month, and I decided to give it away and monetize the payment, right? Which and I was competitive on the processing the transaction with all my competitors, mm-hmm. so you know, it was kind of the classic land and expand. Yep. It's like I I got you in for free. I gave you a, this beautiful yep. little app that worked on your website, that worked on your phone, mm-hmm. and then we either acquired or built tons of other software mm-hmm. over the last, you know. And would you say that deci- that early decision was probably like? Do you look back and think that was probably one of the most significant decisions we made? No yeah. question. No mm-hmm. question. I, I knew that. I knew that giving online giving was going to be commoditized mm-hmm. at some mm-hmm. point, which means when something becomes a, a commodity, the price is the pressure on price is being driven mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think that there was going to be a time where you could get people to pay for something that someone else was going to offer for free. So I just went free straight away and it took longer, Mm -hmm. but you know, 37,000 churches later, you know, it proved to be the right decision. Um, and so, yeah, I just, you know, but you know, let's think about sneakers, right? Like a a great pair of Nikes is a hundred bucks, you know, am I gonna, gonna kind of develop the sneaker for the cool kids and you know would they pay 150 or do i want to come in at 75 right. and give them a really great shoe mm-hmm. that's less than the market's doing and then get them as customers and then release a 95 dollar version in right. a year right so there's the strategy around getting a customer mm-hmm. and and what's it there's always a cost to getting a customer mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. your sales and marketing costs mm-hmm. whatever it's costing you to build the product or the service that's your cap we mm-hmm. call it right cost mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. cost good to know mm-hmm. that um, and then, cause then you can adjust how much you spend to get that customer mm-hmm. and then you get into things like lifetime value. What's that customer? Once you've got enough mm-hmm. customers and you know, I'm buying two pairs of sneakers every year and I'm spending 200 bucks, right. you know, and I'm going to do that for four years. You know, that's a thousand, that customer's worth a thousand mm-hmm. bucks to mm-hmm. me, right? Cause they're going to buy two pairs of sneakers for the next five right. years. Um, so, you know, all, all of those kind of factors go in and, and on the front end. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, pricing, you know? You got to pivot. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you come in and you thought you've read the market with your pricing structure, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't yep. fit. Um, so sorry that's for that right. phone call. Um, and so yeah, it's it's just 
it's just all of those things and you got to be ready to pivot really mm -hmm. quick or something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah let's um let's talk about just a few companies briefly maybe to just connect some dots so mm -hmm. uh basically a couple examples of of companies that found product market fit how they did it and both of these companies rather quickly uh obviously you mentioned slack right um mm -hmm. so slack yep. went the direction so they grew from essentially fifteen thousand daily active users when they launched in february of 2014 uh to 1.1 million in june of 2015 uh, to then four yep. million in October of 2016, right? They didn't ha they didn't have a multi million dollar marketing budget. They didn't have a sales team. Essentially, they were uh, winning the customer, right? So they had a tight feedback loop, able to accomplish a few things. And it's so funny because I even read this, and every any any company that I've ever worked for that used Slack swears by it. And yep, yep. And then any company that I've worked for that doesn't has one or two people that work there that used to work for a company that use yep. Slack. And all they talk about is how we need to get everybody on Slack as quickly as possible. Oh, sure. And that's an experience across the board that I've had, right? Because yep. um, they've basically that's focused really... on making it absolutely yep. essential for the person who buys into it. In, in, Intercompany communication. So it's not email, it's too cumbersome, right? I'm not going to use my phone to text my colleagues, right. but I can, it's open on my computer. Now I got this app over mm -hmm. here. There's probably 30 channels mm -hmm. that I'm, mm -hmm. oh, we have more than that now company, but I'm not, I'm not reading mm -hmm. all of them. Um, all my people are in mm -hmm. here. So if I want to ask a question, I just got an email before I jumped on. Hey, i got a friend who needs a solution. Yep. Look him up. I'm like, absolutely. So I, you know, grab my guy on Slack and say, Hey, Brandon, yep. go and check out this. And, um, and so it's a fascinating company because what they did is they developed this product and people inside of mostly tech companies were buying it themselves or, or yep. you know, getting the company credit yep. card or just using it themselves. And it started in going invasive mm -hmm. in the companies. Mm -hmm. Eventually they went to the IT department and said, we need to all be on Slack right. because 50 engineers are already right. using it. Well, and then and you have the problem, right, with some companies that probably have a really closed IT ecosystem and you start to have the IT guy hearing about, these four or yeah. five people that are using Slack on the side, and it's like, wait a second, we've got to, we've got to figure yeah. out a way to get this across the across the whole team, right? And but it's 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 the same thing, right? They, you build a product, you know, there's a market for inner office communication, and my goodness, COVID just blew mm -hmm. it up even mm -hmm. more because now everyone's at home. I can't just poke around to the next office and ask something mm -hmm. and say, hey, Michael, mm -hmm. you know, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this. I mean, the timing was unbelievable. Um, and so they they built this product and it got out in the marketplace and it was used like crazy mm -hmm. and to the stats there means people are using this thing yep. a pretty short amount of time and uh and all of a sudden man you know everyone's paying 10 bucks per or five mm -hmm. bucks per seat and that's a lot of revenue yeah, that and and of course we love software because you you build it once and you can go and sell it a million right, times right know? yeah <laughs> and to support and squish a few bugs and keep it going yep. and but then you're always innovating right yeah um Let's look at Spotify next real quickly. So that was, it's obviously a bit of a difference. So that's more of a direct to consumer, if you want to call it that, yep. but it's a consumer product, yep. right? Uh, so the idea is uh, for them, um, you know, Napster collapse, collapses P2P file sharing. And that was for me, like I'm a kid in the 90s. So like, that's how I yep. got my music. I downloaded LimeWire yep. and then I burnt the CD, you know, and yep. then all of a sudden, all yep. of those start shutting down. Um, yep. And basically what they realize is it, it's actually just the legal connection of how can I figure out a way to not get a copyright infringement 
um, and not be yep. wholesale. And essentially, they just said, would a percentage of people be willing to pay a small fee to consume yep. this legally? Um, right. And it exploded very quickly. I mean, you think about it too, right? Apple, the leader globally around digital music, mm-hmm. right? And and the distribution, mm-hmm. right? Through, through um, first of the iPod and then the iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, when it was just the iPod, you know, and Steve Jobs had the phenomenal yep. idea. He said, you know what? People will pay if you make it easy. Mm-hmm. It's 99 mm-hmm. cents. We'll make it really simple. Mm-hmm. Here's a hardware device. And you know what? No one did Napster anymore. No one was burning stuff. And everyone just bought iPods because they were mm-hmm. cool. Unbelievable marketing, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. And so the, one of the cool things I love about Spotify is it was a saturated market, mm-hmm. like globally led by one of the greatest companies on yep. earth. And they come along with a with an app that basically does the same thing as mm-hmm. iTunes. Yeah. And crush yep. it. And what's it, what are they, 10 years old? Yeah, 10 years old. Now they're uh-huh. doing the same in podcasting. I mean, they've, they've kind right. of done same the same thing. thing. It's like, what's Apple doing mm-hmm. that people don't love? Let's yep. kind of go. And what that teaches mm-hmm. you is there's, uh, the mar- in if if a market is underserved, there's always room for a new product mm-hmm. or source. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why that's the other power of markets. Right. right? The, the power of markets is is you have to stay, you know, on top of providing for your customers what they want and need. And because if you don't, someone else is going to come and start giving them what you're not giving them. And all of a sudden, and they're going to come with new business models and they're going to come with new ideas and different features around the same mm-hmm, kind of product. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, and that's the beauty of free market capitalism, because they've got this competitive environment inside of these markets that just keep making products better. And who wins? The consumer. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So let's talk about one that, uh, well, I guess we could say failed, crashed and burned uh, a bit. And that is uh, the infamous Quibi. Um, now, well, obviously yeah. we, we, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberg is a legend and, um, yep. you know, uh, obviously, uh, there was a lot of talk around this company from the very beginning that it was announced. Yep. Um, yep. Huge. And, I remember the buzz. Yeah. Yep. I have a, I have a friend here in LA who had a, he's a screenwriter. He had a script that he wrote, you know, I think it was like nine years ago, mm-hmm. got a, you know, got on some awards list and kind of the script bounced around from studio to studio and Hulu made a pilot of it. And he kind of like, it kind of was literally dead. And then out of nowhere, he gets an email from this company called Quibi, who he had never heard of um, and offered him more money than he had ever made in his life for this script that he wrote 10 years ago that nobody else wanted. Um, And I think they bought the script and were in production in 90 days. And he was like, I don't even know who this company is, but let's Let's do it um and so they sort of yeah there's so much buzz and then they kind of launch i guess the idea of quibi was will people watch these sort of bite-sized short form uh content but sort of like one tv show but three or four minute episodes right yeah um and i guess the model was they would even license content from other studios and just get the license for these short form cut up right pieces right um And they spent, gosh, what was it? Um, it was a hundred, a hundred million. Let me see here. I'm going to see if it, there's this article on Verge about it, and I want to see if they give a number. Um, well, you look at two billion. How fast? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry for shooting so. No, no, you're good. Um, how fascinating is it that long form mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. our long dramas, you know, 
longer are crushing. Yep. You know, and I have a little bit of knowledge about this. My wife worked in television mm-hmm. and in this business. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you've got you got hour long television shows, mm-hmm. you know, spending ten million an episode mm-hmm. now, mm-hmm. right? For the really good stuff. Mm-hmm. They go all the way back to uh, a one minute TikTok video. Right. Right? Killing it. Right, killing mm-hmm. it. And it's snap mm-hmm. and everything, right? Reels on Insta. So you would think so you think, oh, there's the, there's this part of the market. Mm-hmm. People consuming hour, two hour long, you yep. know, content. Yep. There's this other ma- massive part of the market where mostly younger, you know, are, are consuming small form mm-hmm. of content in various different ways. There's got to be a market for three or four minute content, right. yeah, right. Which is probably I don't know how they yep. did it, but this is probably what yeah. Thinking. And these weren't uh, not smart people. These were these this were the people. most brilliant minds in the film and television industry getting their heads together saying how do we create something it wasn't right. it, they weren't just like closing their eyes and and no, guessing no they they're going here's long form mm-hmm. here's short form mm-hmm. there's going to be a market for something in the mm-hmm. middle well guess what there, there wasn't. wasn't at all <laughs> and it, you couldn't say that it wasn't smart people doing right. it and, and and you know but the market didn't want it or maybe they executed wrong and maybe someone's going to do it do again do it better yeah you know, in, in two years, but man, burning $2 billion to find out if a market, if a product was going to fit in a market, that's a brutal way yep. But you know, that's, that's venture, yep. man. And that's, that's, uh, that's capitalism is right. winners and losers. And, 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 and uh, you could also say that the, the track record of the people that started that company earned them the right to try it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And it's like, it, it, for someone that says they, yeah. they misspent 2 billion. Well, it was their track record that got them the 2 billion in the first place. Right. So it's, it's kind of as. You know, our final mm-hmm. thought here, you know, you know what I love about um, business and I love this about tech failure isn't final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can, you can have a c- couple of bad ideas mm-hmm. and dust off and keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, we could learn that in the church. Right. A little mm-hmm. bit better. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we, we see failure in, you know, people's personal yeah. life or the marriage or like, you know, it's just stuff, whatever. Yeah. And when, and they're almost backbenched. Yep. For a mm-hmm. bit. The, um, the rest of society loves to see a second comeback and the yeah, church sure. tends to just do everything they can to, sure. to stifle it. You know, sometimes we, we, we could be yep. better. Yeah. 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 Well, this is great. Well, thank you. Um, Hey, listen, if you're listening and you're digging the conversation, share it around, send it to some folks that you know that you think would yeah. like it. Subscribe on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and on Instagram, we're Kings and Priests Podcast, and um, we're excited about next year. We're going to have some great interviews. We're going to be talking about all kinds of different stuff. We're going to be talking to all kinds of business builders, founders, entrepreneurs. So um, hang around, and it's going to be a good next couple of months. We'll see you soon.